from high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is The Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. Thank you, Brandon Banks, and welcome back to The Joy of Booking. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Uh, night one of the draft was last night, <clears throat> recording this on a Saturday morning. Good to talk to you. Hope you are well. Hope those you love are doing well. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a psychic, because I'm not. Though you're thinking of a number, and it might be seven. And you're thinking of a color, and it may be blue. Uh, but some of what I have written here on the Getting to WrestleMania show uh, has happened. Naomi is going to Raw. Drew McIntyre is going to SmackDown. Um, now, granted, Keith Lee and Ray Ripley did not get drafted to SmackDown, so I was wrong there. But this isn't a prediction show. It's a fantasy booking show. And all I will say is that some other things that happened on SmackDown in terms of the draft will be also happening in our world, our fantasy world, but later in the uh, the season. You have to wait a little bit to get some of those other things happening. Um, we have already spent some time talking about what happened in the WWE in the month of uh, October uh, in terms of our fantasy world. I'll have to think of a name for it. Um, the J-O-B world, the job world. That doesn't sound right. Working title. Um, today's episode will take us through NXT UK and NXT proper. Um, of the feedback that I have gotten, uh, mostly positive, um, someone out there who shall remain nameless said that he uh, didn't think things were personal enough, uh, and that is fully true. Uh, I'm not great at writing personal storylines unless we're going to trend into the world of, you know, real life. You know, what what happens? Are we doing like a Jericho Kane thing? Chris Jericho spills coffee on Kane and they feud for two or three months. Is that what personal means? I guess I could do that. Oh, you know, Flash Morgan Webster took a took. Mark Andrews' yogurt that he was saving from the fridge. And he even had Mark Andrews' name on it and Flash delayed it. So now they have to feud. Subculture is broken up. Sorry. I guess we could do that if that's what you want. But anyways, uh, there, there will be some more personal things that do happen. We're sort of we're hitting the ground running. Um, I wanted to get my chess pieces in the position I needed them on the board. And so I'm doing that with um, with the first month. Although I will tell you, the month of November, we're going completely, uh, you know, we're, we're breaking with canon in some ways. In some ways. You'll find out more about that when we get to November. Uh, let's dive into uh, the booking. And I must begin with an apology I apologize to those who are uh, serious NXT UK fans. Um, I cannot consider myself among you. I try to catch up and then I just fall behind. I would prefer to just listen to the recap on the award-winning piece of business podcast hosted by Glenn and Jeremy. I get my fill, my, my update on the world of NXT UK from them. Um, I don't watch. I watched maybe 20 minutes of SmackDown this morning. I watched uh, Kevin Owens wrestle Happy Corbin with Madcap Moss uh, at ringside. And then I was just like, I wanted to see the draft, but I didn't want to watch a two-hour show. See, what happened was, so Fox put the entire two hours up, including the commercials that you saw while watching Fox. And then they had their own ads from the Fox website that you had to sit through. So you'd, you'd have three minutes of commercials, and then at times you'd have another three or four commercials. And I, I couldn't do it. So I just looked to see 
what the draft results were. I will tell you this. This is a, a mistake that I think WWE made. You are having the draft on October 1st. The draft doesn't happen until October 22nd after Crown Jewel or whatever it is, October 25th after Crown Jewel. That, to me, is a mistake because I immediately heard Michael Cole say that and stopped caring about the draft because I have three weeks where you know, maybe they'll finish storylines, I suppose, before people go their separate ways. But that, to me, was a bad idea. I think if you're going to do that, what happens is October 1st is it is the month of free agency. Anything can happen. Anybody can show up on any show for that month. Now, that's a good idea that I might steal in a future episode. Anyone can show up, which, me, which makes every episode must watch because now who knows who's going to show up? Maybe, you know, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, the NXT champion. Is he still NXT champion? I think he is. Not in my world, but in, in the real world. He shows up on SmackDown. And we get a face-off with him and Roman Reigns, and we get a Tommaso Ciampa-Roman Reigns match. Again, maybe it's not canon, but that would make for exciting television for that month. And then you have the draft. And I also have an issue. This wasn't what this episode was going to be, but I'm on a, I'm on a roll now. Um, I also have an issue. Who is in charge of Raw and SmackDown? You say there's executives from USA and executives from Fox. Fine. You can say that. Fine. Um, but Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville are not Raw and SmackDown specifically. Don't you need general managers to be in charge of these shows? Not necessarily on a weekly basis coming out and making tag matches Teddy Long or sending things anonymous Raw GM via laptop. But don't you need somebody who is who is making the decision? Where is the shot of the boardroom? Uh, maybe we got that with last year with Fox executives cheering or something like that. But during this month of madness, you have people representing, you know, appoint Paul Heyman to be the representative of SmackDown. And he shows up and he starts talking to people and you can tell he's talking to Isaiah Swerve Scott. He's talking to Hit Row on NXT, and you can tell he's getting a sense of, are these people that I want on the brand that I represent? Get MVP to represent Raw. I, you could do the draft, in my opinion, so much better. And I am excited for it every single year, and then every single year, I wind up disappointed. So eventually, at some point, it's my own fault for expecting something new and, and great to happen. So let us walk away now. Let's actually walk away now from the world of the real and enter the world of, in my case, the ideal. Uh, this is what's happening in NXT. So what I was saying, the point I was making before I got off on a tangent, because I don't watch NXT UK regularly, um, I didn't put the amount of time into my NXT booking that I did WWE and in a, a lesser case NXT proper. Um, I'm, ha I'm happy. I'm proud of what we're going to do with NXT UK. But if you're a fan of Kenny Williams, if you're a fan of Ashton Smith, if you're a fan of, um, what's her name, uh, Danny Luna or Nina Samuels, you're not going to hear their names. I picked the people that I wanted to see and I essentially ignored everyone else. So my apologies. Again, I invite you to do your own supplemental booking with the talents that you're interested in, but you can't have any of the titles. Uh, NXT UK begins with, uh, in terms of what happens during that month, I, I did plan a takeover. Um, and the first match is Teoman. And Rohan Raja, I believe the name is, the, the acolyte of Teoman, uh, taken on Subculture. Glenn, Subculture will be featured. And all of the what I'm saying is, it's all for you, baby. It's all for you. Uh, subculture wins the match. And following the match, 
Teoman accuses Rohan Raja, Raja, whatever his name is, uh, of not having enough faith both in himself and in Teoman for them to get the win. So there's a beatdown. And for the moment, for the moment, Teoman strikes out on his own. Uh, our next match features uh, Afa Valkyrie versus Ginny. When I booked the match, I didn't realize they had already had a no DQ match to kind of blow off the feud. Um, so I, I'll acknowledge that here, but not in the storylines. This is where they blow off the feud. And sure, we'll make it no DQ, just like the real world. Uh, but in this one, Ginny wins. I, could, I honestly don't know if she, if she won. <laughs> I don't know if she won the actual match. I'm sorry. I don't know. Um, but she wins with the help of the returning alpha female. Not Jazzy Gabbard. The alpha female. My world. My rules. It's fun being God. Ginny wins. Uh, a Heritage Cup title match. Tyler Bate versus Noam Dar. I'm not a huge fan of Noam Dar. I'll come right out and say it. A lot of people are. A lot of people on the Piece of Business podcast sing the praises of Noam Dar. I get it. He's an entertaining person. He's probably a very good talker. Then he gets in the ring and he looks like he's 12. And I can't, I can't deal. So obviously I think Tyler Bates is going to win this one. I will say though, I did consider for a moment bringing back Alicia Fox into Noam Dar's corner, in which case Noam Dar would have won. Because Noam Dar's best is when Alicia Fox is there. Um, so, it's a Heritage Cub match. First two rounds, no falls. Bate wins in round three. Dar wins in round four. And heading into the final round, it's still tied. Less than a minute on the clock. Bate finally manages to get the Tyler driver, which is, in my opinion, one of the great finishers of all time. And he is still champion, but a very good competitive match. Now, if you remember the draft from the last episode, you know that Walter's gone. Imperium's gone. And uh, coming back was Finn Balor. Not the demon. The demon can stay at home. Finn Balor. And so this is the first night Finn Balor is back. So throughout the takeover, he's walking around. He's meeting friends of his that he probably knows from being part of the UK. He's meeting wrestlers who obviously look up to him. He's meeting wrestlers who might think they can make a name for themselves by getting in his face. There's some stare downs. There's some handshakes. You, you know how this sort of thing works. Uh, and then Finn's, Finn's obviously looking for somebody. He keeps, you know, he's, that's why we keep seeing him walking around. He's looking for a specific person. And the person he's looking for is young Nathan Frazier. And he finds him finally. And he, Finn Balor, takes a moment to just talk about how great Nathan Frazier is. The talent, the potential. He's the total package, not Lex Luger. Uh, and, of course, Frazier responds. Finn Balor's great. Looks up to him. Been a hero. And as they're doing this, we can hear laughter from off camera because here comes the dandy highwayman of NXT UK. Your favorite and mine, Pretty Deadly. And so the members of Pretty Deadly, who I just learned recently are Sam Stoker and Lewis Howley, uh, inform Finn Balor that they're, he's in NXT now and that's their house. This is their world. And Frazier's a nobody, though they will admit he's got some fabulous hair. And all of a sudden, we have ourselves a tag title match. Now, if you wanted to go crazy, I'll give you permission to kind of tweak this and make it your own. Uh, this could have happened on the NXT weekly shows. Maybe we get a non-title tag match on a weekly NXT UK. Finn and Frazier get the win, which is how they earned the title match. If you want to follow the logical rules of wrestling. They need to win the non-title match in order to get a title match. I'm fine with that. That actually might be the better story. But for our purposes, let's just say they have the match. It's a fantastic match. Again, no demon. He's gone. Uh, we get a great moment in which 
Balor's on one corner. Frazier's on the opposite corner. They do stereo double stomps in sync. Very nice moment. But Pretty Deadly's not the greatest tag team in the world for nothing. They take advantage of young Frazier. They win. They're still champions. But a pretty nice way for Finn Balor to make his way back to NXT. Um, I need to do something with Mako Satamora. Uh, she's the final boss. I want her on the pay-per-views. Uh, she needs to face somebody. I've heard that this Bea Priestley person is good. I don't know who she is, but I've heard that she's good. So, sure. Mako versus Blair Davenport. Mako wins. That's as much thought as I was willing to put into it. Our main event. Ilya Dragunov, the new UK champion. The first takeover title defense against Joe Coffey. And you know me. I love Joe Coffey. Even with the raincoat. In fact, the raincoat makes me love him even more. Uh, but I, I, I couldn't envision a world in which Joe Coffey not only won this match. I don't know that he wins a match all year. I, I Sorry. Spoilers. Spoilers. I, he does, now that I'm thinking ahead. But he's that guy who can be in a main event, but he's not going to win. I, I didn't envision a world in which I could build it around him. I'll get there, I'm sure. Give me time. I'll get there. But uh, it doesn't happen. By the way, getting back to the real world for a minute here. Um, I saw we're doing King of the Ring and the Queen's Crown. Great. I'm a fan of that. Uh, that's not taking place in, in, in our fantasy world until after WrestleMania. I have a plan. You probably know what the plan's going to involve. But wait for it. So, yes, Ilya Joe Coffey, great match, brutal match. Ilya gets beaten up again, but he wins. So that's what's happening in the world of NXT UK uh, this month. Next month, they are featured. Think about the pay-per-view. Think about what usually happens. I'm putting NXT UK right in there. I promise you that. They play a role in it. You won't be disappointed. All right. Let's move on to highlights from NXT. Uh, we, we needed, um, we have this issue with Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland who have turned on Lorcan and Birch. Uh, I, I think we've talked about this at least in, in the Inner Circle chat. Maybe we've talked about it. Maybe I've tweeted it out publicly. Uh, I firmly believe in reality that the grizzled young veterans of Drake and Gibson are going to take that place because a stable of Dunn, Holland, and the grizzled young veterans is better than Lorcan and Birch in there. And I like Lorcan and Birch, but it just doesn't make sense. So I think that happens. That's going to take place in our fantasy world. Grizzled young veterans wrestle Lorcan and Birch, beat Lorcan and Birch. Apologies to Lorcan and Birch. They sound like they belong in Diagon Alley selling, I don't know, cauldrons or broomsticks or whatever. Uh, I don't got much for you this year. Apologies. Uh, let's talk about Braun Bricker. First of all, is that a stupid name? Yes, it is. Let's just be real. Braun Breaker is a stupid name. But so is the dog-faced gremlin, if we're being honest. And I don't remember anyone ever questioning that nickname to Rick Steiner's face. Uh, so... Uh, Ciampa is the NXT champion, which means that he and Timothy Thatcher have kind of gone their separate ways. There's no uh, hard feelings. It's just Ciampa's going this way. Thatcher's looking to get his own singles career started. And so um, he gets in the face of Braun Breaker. And he's like, look, you're new. You're shiny. That's great. But I've been here. I've gone through this. I've, you know, I've been fighting this fight for a while, hinting at his career uh, before he got to NXT, and you can't come in here and immediately take my spot. And Braun Breaker smiles and says, looks like I already have. And, you know, kind of referencing where he got into Champa's face. Thatcher slaps him in the face. They get into a scuffle. Now things are a little personal. You're welcome. Uh, we have a match between the two of them, and Timothy Thatcher gets the win. Because he does. I'm not putting the NXT title on Braun Breaker right away, if at all. You don't know. I do, but you don't. And I'm saying, if I do put the title on Braun Breaker, it's not going to be right away. we gotta, we got to build that. Braun Breaker's got to work his way up. All the new guys got to work their way up. Timothy Thatcher wins. Um, 
we have a series of uh, Raw and SmackDown superstars who have been drafted to NXT in my world. And none of them are super thrilled about it. We begin with the Alpha Academy, Chad Gable and Otis. Uh, they feel like they've been sent down. They feel like this is a demotion. They feel like they, you know, this is kind of a slap in the face. They're complaining about it. Well, I suppose Gable is complaining about it. Otis is just staring off into space. But I, every time he does that, every time we get a camera close-up of Otis staring off into space, the only name I can hear in my head is Festus, Festus, Festus. And I know that's not the character, but that's all I can think of. So we're, we're going to be moving away from that. Otis will be able to speak for himself. I'm, we're not going back to the worm, Otis, but... He's not just going to be Lenny from Mice and Men sort of thing. Um, so Alpha Academy, they complain, but they also take matters into their own hands. They storm into the babyface locker room. There's a group of people there, and they're basically like, we're better than you. We're better than you. We're better than you. You're all stink. And two people who kind of step forward to, to question that are Cameron Grimes and Drake Maverick. Now, they're not a line. They come from opposite sides. Drake Maverick comes up first. I like the dichotomy of little Drake, big Otis. Uh, and he reminds them, look, you should be happy to be here. Some of us have worked really, really hard to be in NXT, and this is where we want to be. And so he doesn't appreciate them diminishing NXT, which he considers to be the superior brand. And we're all reminded of that time that he did get released, or did he, and cut that impassioned promo and wound up winning his job back. Or did he? Uh, Cameron Grimes comes up and agrees because NXT is going, say it with me now, straight to the moon. I think that's the saying. Uh, and so we get a tag match. Grimes and Maverick versus Gable and Otis. I love that that team, can I tell you, I always love big guy, little guy. You've got the power of Otis and the glory of Chad Gable. See what I did there, Brandon? That was for you. Power of Otis. Glory of Chad Gable. Um, and, you know, despite that, I'm giving the win in this instance to the NXT regulars, Cameron Grimes and Drake Maverick. As a duo, something clicks and they get the win over Gable and Otis. 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 Uh, giving them a rude welcome to the, well, it's not the yellow brand anymore, purple brand? Tie-dye brand? What's the, what's the color scheme? Jackson Pollock painting brand? Uh, and after the match, cameras follow Grimes and Maverick back into the locker room. And they're both really excited. Drake Maverick especially is really, really excited. Like, did you see us out there? Did you see the way we clicked? Did you see the way we gelled? This is it. I've been in tag teams before, and I know a great tag team when I see one. And this is it. You and me, baby. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. Nothing or no one is ever going to drive us apart, he said with foreshadowing. Next up, uh, let's talk about the two other people who are drafted from Raw or SmackDown um, to NXT. And one of them is Mr. NXT, you could make the case, Sami Zayn. And Sami Zayn obviously is not happy. This is just another example of the conspiracies against him. People are there conspiring. They got him off of SmackDown. They wouldn't let him on to Raw. They are out to get him, and now they're sending him back to a place he's already been, NXT. Now, he goes and finds John Morrison looking for a sympathetic ear. And John's like, look, I, I didn't want this, but mainly that's because I need to get revenge on The Miz. The Miz turned on me, beat me up, ended our partnership. I got to get him. And I can't get him if he's on Dancing with the Stars and on Raw and I am here on NXT. So that's mainly why he's upset. Because Morrison realizes he's a smart guy, I'm going to assume. And he realizes there is a serious level of competition in NXT. These are some of the best athletes in the world. And John Morrison wants to compete with the best athletes in the world. And he's name dropping them. He's talking about 
Johnny Gargano. He's talking about Braun Breaker. He's talking about Carmelo Hayes. And he's talking about Austin Theory. And as if this was a scripted show, as soon as he says the name Austin Theory, who shows up but Austin Theory? And he arrives on the scene and he welcomes them both to NXT. He shakes the hand of John Morrison and says, no kidding. You're great. I'm a fan. I got a lot of respect for you. I look forward to a chance to wrestle you maybe at some point. Uh, welcome to the show. And Sami Zayn's like, yeah, do you see that? Now that's the le proper level of respect. That's what I'm talking about. And Theory kind of holds up a hand and says, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to him. You, sir, stink. You're terrible. And so you were good. You had great. You have great talent. You were great. You were Mr. NXT. I did look up to you then. And now look at you with your, your Fidel Castro coat and your stupid hair. And, you know. I'm not writing the promos, but you get the, the mise-en-scene as to what I'm talking about here. And Zane's, I don't have to stand here and take this abuse, especially for someone like you. I'm leaving. And he turns around and walks right into the muscly chest of Dexter Loomis. So now there's the four of them. And so we clearly are having a tag team match set up. We've got Sami Zayn and John Morrison teaming up, not necessarily loving each other, but teaming up, Austin Theory and Dexter Loomis, they are the opponents. Got distracted by a bird. Sorry. I'm not kidding. A bird flew by and, like, buzzed my window. I'm sure he was just, you know, flying around looking for a worm. It's early. But freaked me out. Uh, Zayn and Morrison aren't on the same page necessarily, but they are able to get the win. And so Sami Zayn and John Morrison do win that match which brings us to the october pay-per-view offering for nxt halloween havoc come on now we have to do halloween havoc it's got to be there we need pumpkins and inflatable vampires and not tony shivani because he's in AEW now but somebody doing a creepy scene dressed like a vampire um our first match odyssey jones and carmelo hayes I understand that they had their match the end of the breakout tournament. Carmelo Hayes won. We're going to continue this up to the pay-per-view. And it's a two out of three falls match. All right. Between Carmelo Hayes and the former Orangeman from Syracuse. Yes, I looked it up. Odyssey Jones. Uh, two out of three falls. And before the match, Hayes is like, I'm not worried. I Do you see this body? Not an ounce of fat. I have the better stamina. I have the better conditioning. I'm just going to tire this man out, and I will win. We talked to Odyssey Jones, and he's like, I heard what uh, Carmelo Hayes said. He's right. He probably does have better stamina. He clearly is in great shape. But when I'm done with him after fall one, there won't be anything left to fight in fall two or fall three. He will just be a broken man on the floor and so we kind of get that storyline match one odyssey dominates power speed he's got it whatever it is odyssey jones has it oh so does carmelo hayes let me just say they're both great they're both going to be in my show all the way through uh but odyssey dominates fall one like serious dominates and fall two starts Hayes is kind of trying to rope-a-dope. You know, he's fighting back, don't get me wrong. He did get attacked by Odyssey's power. But Odyssey starts getting winded. You can see it. He starts getting a little winded. Hayes keeps jucking and jiving, rolling out to the floor, making him chase him, playing the smart man's game. And he is able to win the second fall. So it all comes down to the final one. And apparently, I'm so behind on NXT, but apparently Carmelo Hayes has a friend, an associate, Trick, Trick, Trick Williams, Trick Johnson, Trick or Treat. Um, and that trick does provide the treat for Hayes. <laughs> See what I did there. Uh, getting the distraction on Odyssey Jones, Carmelo picks up the win in the two out of three falls match. We move on to uh, the women's tag. I'm going to come right out and say it. I've seen Zoe Stark twice. 
I don't really understand why she's teaming with Io Shirai. Um, and I don't really understand why they're still champions. If, if we're at that point, we probably don't need two women's tag belts. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Uh, but they will defend the tag belts against the team of Frankie Monet and Jesse Kamea. And in this match, I do know why Frankie and Jesse are a team. And that makes sense to me. So in that match, we get new women's tag team champions, Frankie Monet and Jesse Kamea, defeating Io and Zoe Stark. If you like Zoe Stark, I give you permission to book her. Uh, a cruiserweight title match, Fatal 4-Way, Kushida, the champion, Roderick Strong, Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly. I'll say that one more time. Kushida, Roderick Strong, Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly. Fantastic match. I'm not going to book it. You imagine it. Pick your favorite spots. Pick your favorite moves. You've got Kushida and Strong, who are currently feuding over the title. Strong and Dunne have a history. Strong and O'Reilly have a history. O'Reilly and Dunne have a history. O'Reilly and Kushida have a history. It's a beautiful thing. Before the match, we hear some familiar music. Oh, oh, Sean, he thinks he's cute. He knows he's sexy. He's got the looks that drives you so wild. Sean Michaels comes out in the middle of this NXT show and goes over and joins the commentary team. You've got Barrett, you've got the other guy, you've got Beth Phoenix, and you've got Sean Michaels on commentary. And we're like, you know what? This is great. An all-time legend is coming out to call a match that could be an all-time classic. The match is great, but Shawn Michaels is talking about things coming up, big things. He's got big things in the works, and he's really excited to share them. And these four guys are examples of why he's doing what he's doing, but he's not saying what he's doing. We're just left to wonder what's going on. And when Kushida picks up the win, which he does, tapping out Roderick Strong to the hoverboard lock. Um, Shawn Michaels comes in, shakes Kushida's hand, raises the arm, but then he calls for a microphone. And everyone's a little confused. And he's congratulating Kushida and praising his many accomplishments. And there are parts that there are people on Twitter, I can tell that on Twitter people are like, he's going to super kick Kushida. Oh my God, Shawn Michaels is going for the cruiserweight title. Let's not go crazy. Uh... And he's talking about Kushida's many accomplishments. You know, I don't know if everyone realizes how good this man is. Yes, he is our cruiserweight champion, but he was also the Ring of Honor television champion. And everyone's like, oh my goodness, they mentioned Ring of Honor on WWE TV. That's pretty cool. He won the best of the Super Junior Tournament twice. And now Twitter loses its mind. Did he just talk about New Japan on WWE television? What is happening? And he is a six-time junior heavyweight champion. And all four superstars are standing around because they don't know what's going on either. Strong's there, favoring the arm. Dunn and O'Reilly are there. Maybe Ridge Holland comes out. And Shawn Michaels is talking about these four guys. These guys remind me of the guys that were like me when I was around. Brett the Hintman Hart, Ricky Steamboat, the Dynamite Kid, supremely talented wrestlers who maybe didn't necessarily get the same number of chances as everyone else because they were a little smaller and a little lighter and they weren't those big, slow, lumbering giants. And then he looks in the camera and smiles and goes, sorry, Kev, but it's true. And everyone laughs because he's just made fun of Kevin Nash on TV. And now William Regal comes out and he's carrying the velvet cloth. You know, when you, when you, when you unveil a new title, you have it in this velvet cloth so no one knows what this. And so Kushida can now list on his accomplishments that he was the final cruiserweight champion. Because beginning at Survivor Series in November... There's going to be a match to crown the new, the first, the inaugural, universal junior heavyweight champion. 
Now I've been thinking about it. You could call it the universal light heavyweight title. You could call it the universal middleweight title. I'm going to go with junior heavyweight title. That's what they call it in Japan. I'm calling it junior heavyweight. I could change my mind. I don't know. If you've got an idea of what it should be called, let me know. I'll give you some writing credit in our story here. Um, And this belt, as promised by Shawn Michaels and William Regal, is going to be equal standing with the universal heavyweight title. Maybe it's the universal lightweight title. I don't know. All the status and all the trappings that go with it. I'm not kidding. It's going to be a serious title. And the belt is revealed, and it is glorious. Again, whatever you think an ideal title looks like, it looks like. But just don't put any fruit by the foot in there, okay? But whatever you think it looks like is what it looks like, and it's glorious. So, Kushida's the final champion. We will see who is fighting for this belt uh, in November. Stay tuned. Our next match is for the NXT Tag Team Championship. And so I must take a moment to talk about MSK. I don't like them. I don't like them one bit. And when I found out recently that MSK does stand for something, but they won't tell us what it stands for because it's a lifestyle, it's a mentality Go sit on a rock, Wes Lee and Nash Carter, you doofuses. What does it stand for? Must show koalas? Mild salsa kilbasa? Mask save kids? Moderate sour candies? What does it stand for? I know candies don't start with a K, but go with me here. So forget you, MSK. I didn't like you to begin with, and now you're just bugging me. You lose. Good day, sir. Imperium. New tag team champions. Women's title. We haven't mentioned the one other person that got drafted from Raw to NXT. And her name is Asuka. And she is challenging for the NXT women's title against Raquel Gonzalez. And I would like to tell you that this match is the beginning of a large fantasy booking endeavor that gives us the huge push for Asuka that we all believe she richly deserves. That's what I'd like to tell you. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. It's not my fault, really. I Just keep forgetting that she's around. She's not on TV a lot. I don't know. Maybe she's injured. Maybe she's... I I don't know. But I keep forgetting that she's even on the roster. Um, So she'll be around. And I do have plans for her that go beyond WrestleMania. But if you're hoping for a lot of Asuka love in the next few episodes... I'm sorry, and I urge you, Grasshopper, to be patient. But the match is good, and in losing to Raquel Gonzalez, she doesn't lose a whole lot of credibility for herself, and she elevates Gonzalez way more, so Raquel Gonzalez wins. Which brings us... Oh, no, never mind. I thought it was the main event. I forgot about a big match. (laughs) It's Halloween Havoc, and I know that's in October. And I know what usually happens in November, but screw it, we're doing it a month early. If in real life they can play with the date of the Royal Rumble, then in October we're having war games. And war games will feature Hit Row taking on Legato de Fantasma in war games. Now, I bet at this point you have forgotten that Santos Escobar got drafted to Raw. And I understand that I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite. If I have my draft in early October and Santos gets drafted to Raw and then at Halloween Havoc, he's still part of NXT. Because earlier I said that I didn't like that you had the draft and then you waited a few weeks before the actual switched rosters. I do understand that's a bit dicey. But I'll just say, guess what? 
Uh, Santos Escobar gets, he shows up on Raw and does things that we didn't talk about before, so they're not that important. Um, but he gets special written dispensation from whoever the general managers are. I should have appointed some, I suppose, um, to go compete in war games. And so this is Hit Row, Swerve, Top Dada, Ashanti the Adonis, and B-Fab, not Fab B as Sonia Deville called her, B-Fab, taking on Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wild, Raul Mendoza, and Electra Lopez. Now, I'm not wild about intergender matches, and yet here I am booking one. And in fact, this is the second one that's happening in October. And I will say that I did briefly consider creating a mixed match, an intergender tag team title. I did consider it, but I decided against it. Um, but my philosophy is you can have these type of matches if mainly most of the action occurs along gender lines. The men fighting the men, the women fighting the women. I do believe that is uh, important. Um, I'm not wild about intergender matches, and it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, not thinking women can compete with men. Obviously, they can, just not my cup of tea. Um, I'm also not wild about how most previous war game matches have gone, and I am including the old school ones. I'll give you a minute to finish the spit take. As you just heard me sully the good name of NWA and WCW, I, I urge you, gentle listener, to listen before you, before you judge. I've never been a fan of the idea in the old school war games matches that the wrestlers surrounded the ring. I remember vividly, I think it's Horseman versus Sting Squadron or something like that. And I can see the baby faces on one side standing at ringside and the heels on the other side standing at ringside. If the feud between you is so important and so meaningful and so personal and so violent that you require war games, there is no reason why you're standing there and not just running around and fighting the other people. So I don't want that. But I don't like the cages that WWE has done, where the referee needs to unlock it time and time again. We had a very nice moment with Dakota and Tegan. thought that was clever, but I've never been a fan. So, and I don't want them in the back coming out. I want people to be able to see them. So I'm borrowing the Elimination Chamber pods, either cylinders or cubes of plexiglass. And in my world, they are throughout the arena. They're not on the ramp. They're throughout the arena. Maybe they're elevated so people can see. Maybe they're not. Maybe you just happen to walk by on your way to the bathroom and you pass one of the pods. And so you don't know which pod's going to open and you don't know where it's going to be in the arena, which not only makes the War Games match interesting, but now it doesn't necessarily have to happen in the cage, as you'll soon see. So in my way of doing this particular War Games match, uh, the first people into the cage are Electra and BFAB. They, they start. And they fight for five minutes. And after five minutes, generally speaking, what happens is there's a coin toss that the heels somehow always win. And one heel comes out making it two on one. In my way for this particular War Games match, one pod from each team opens. So there's two people in the ring. So somewhere around the arena, Swerve's pod opens, and Joaquin, I almost called him Phoenix, that's not his name, Joaquin Wilde's pod opens. So now they're the first two out for their respective stables. And they find each other because if we're going to do, th if we're going to do this, um, their pods happen to be close by. Just how it works, guys. Just how it works. Uh, and so they start fighting before they even hit the ringside area. They start brawling through the crowd. And by the time they make it to ringside, it's time for another pod to open. And this time it is quote-unquote random. There's a quote-unquote coin toss that the heels always win. I'm not going to abandon that trope. And now Mendoza is out. 
So now by the time we get into the cage, the women have been fighting for almost 10 minutes, and we've got Mendoza and Wilde taking on Swerve two-on-one. Then comes Ashanti. Then comes Santos. He'd be the final person to come out. He'd let his henchmen do the work as opposed to Swerve, who in my world would start it off. And then in the ultimate of hot tag style entries, the last pod that opens is Top Dalla. And oh my goodness, that man is so powerful. He's going to, you know, by the time his pod opens, Hit Row's beaten down, Swerve's on the mat, Ashanti's on the mat, I'll, you know, B-Fab maybe's at ringside, and Legato is just celebrating. And they're all standing, and here comes Top Dalla. Maybe he takes the door of the cage off, which would be pretty funny. And he beats the tar out of all of the members of Legato, you know. So he's got him. He's got the thing where he's, you know, he's, he picks up two of them. He's got one on the shoulders or something like that. Electra jumps off the top rope onto Top Dalla's back. So now he's got three people. He's got Joaquin. He's got Raul. Now he's got Electra. He just walks around going to B-Fab, who grabs Electra by, let's do the shoulders, I never like the hair, pulls her down. Um, I, I think the match would be great uh, because I, I wrote down that I didn't care who won. But if we are following the how this should work, um, Hit Row wins. Legato loses on their way out, and Santos is leaving. Legato stays, though I'm not doing anything with him. Electra stays, though I'm not doing anything with her. And apologies to Hit Row. But that's probably the last time I talk about them, too. Swerve Scott is a featured part of my year. Santos Escobar is a featured part of my year. The stables are not. Again, maybe I have a touring company of all the people that I don't book. And they go around and do a bunch of house shows, work on characters, and I can bring them in later. Um, but I think that match would be great. So now we get to the main event. As we approach the 50-minute mark of this episode, thanks for listening. Tommaso Ciampa defending against, you guessed it, Walter. Now, by and large, uh, both in terms of what I've been doing in my booking and just how it works in general, draft picks tend to be the ones who do the challenging especially your young NXT draft picks. You know, they come up and they get in the face of a veteran and all of that type stuff. Uh, but in this case, it's the opposite. Before the pay-per-view, Walter doesn't show up on the first show. On the second show, Champa comes to the ring, sits down in his chair, Goldie on the floor, and says something to the extent, I'm not scripting, but says something to the extent of, I know you're out there. I know you're just waiting. And biding your time, but I'm not waiting. So Walter, get out here. He calls out Walter. The champion calls out Walter. And that's what leads to this match. Walter, of course, overpowering Champa. Oh, the slaps. Oh, the chops. Uh, but Champa's tough. And Walter, I should mention, comes out by himself. He doesn't have Imperium with him. He's here one-on-one. -on -one, doesn't feel like he needs help to defeat Tommaso Ciampa. But Ciampa's toughness and endurance keeps him in the fight. The more he kicks out, the more he battles back. Walter seems to have that look. You know when you've gone for like the fifth near fall and, and the commentator's like, what is Walter going to need to do to defeat Tommaso Ciampa? So Imperium starts to get nervous. They, they come out and they stand on the ramp, like up on the stage. That's their first thing. They come out just to watch. Walter sees them. Walter makes a little bit of a comeback. They relax a bit. But then Champa comes back. So now they start walking down the ramp. By the time they get to ringside, Champa's basically trying to call them all out. But before, before they actually do any distracting, here comes our great tag team from earlier in the month. Here comes Grimes and Maverick. Maybe we had a six-man match earlier. 
in the month. Remember, I'm not booking week to week, but maybe we had Champa Grimes Maverick versus Walter and Imperium. So here comes Grant Grimes and Maverick. Grimes is in his jeans. He's got his signature vest. He's got the hat on. Um, you know, Drake Maverick's wearing a tank top and wind pants. Interesting black wind pants with, with the white stripe. And I think you can tell where I'm going with this. Because they fight off Imperium. But then things get hectic. Things get a little chaotic. And in the heat of it all, Drake Maverick, that little rascal, turns on Cameron Grimes, lays him out, distracts Tommaso Ciampa, which gives Walter enough time to put the sleeper on or to hit the power bomb. I love that he has multiple ways of beating the opponent. And Walter wins the NXT title. Post-match, Bartel's there. Chomp, not Ciampa. Eichner's there, Walter's there, and there's Maverick, and they present Drake Maverick, getting a little emotional thinking about it, with his very own Imperium Windbreaker. And he puts it on, and he's running around the ring, you know, pumping his fists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walter kind of just gives him a look. Maverick stops, and they all pose with the hands behind the back. And that is how the show ends your winner and new champion Walter I'm loving this I gotta tell you I'm loving it I'm loving it I'm loving it um, is this was this episode more personal than the last one I have no idea but it was certainly a heck of a lot of fun and I'll just let you know now November is bragging rights and in my world raw SmackDown, NXT, and, as I promised, NXT UK are going to vie for supremacy, which means we are getting some crazy Fatal 4-Way matches that I cannot wait to share with you. But that's another show. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews, and I will see you the next time we celebrate the joy of booking.